Hello and welcome to the World of Mouth podcast, where we share the stories of the world's best chefs and their favorite destinations to travel and eat. My name is Kenneth Nars and I'm the creative director of World of Mouth, a platform that connects over 500 restaurant experts who share their favorite places, from the best place to grab a slice of pizza or a hamburger, to the latest must-visit new fine dining restaurant opening. Today we're meeting Chef Pam Pichaya of Restaurant Potong in Bangkok, Thailand. Thai by birth and with a Thai, Chinese, Australian family background, Chef Pam was brought up in Bangkok, where her family's business had been a traditional pharmacy in Bangkok's Chinatown. At the age of 21, Pam became the youngest chef to win the Asia Youth Hope Cooking Contest in 2011, and 12 years later, her restaurant became world famous when Potong entered Asia's 50 best restaurant list. We meet Chef Pam at her restaurant, located in the old pharmacy that her ancestors founded in Chinatown. We'll hear the story of her family and about the tradition of Thai Chinese cuisine she inherited. Also, Chef Pam will reveal how she created her contemporary take on her cuisine and how she built a network of local suppliers for the best local produce. For those of you who don't know her yet, we asked Chef Pam to tell us a bit about herself and her journey that made her a game changer in contemporary Thai cuisine. At the end of our talk, she will reveal her favorite restaurant recommendations in Bangkok and out in the world. You'll also find these places in our podcast notes. So we are sitting in Chinatown here and um, first I would ask you, uh, tell me, who is Chef Pam? Hi, so it's me, I'm Chef Pam. My full name is Picheya Suntonyanagit, and I'm the chef owner of Potong Restaurant. Um, and uh, tell me a bit, where are we right now? So right now we're actually in the middle of Chinatown, one of the most busiest area in Thailand or in Bangkok, and one of the most area that the Chinese immigrants came to settle down. It's a place where you can find anything and everything. You can find shoes, bags, food, ingredients, um, toys, electronics, everything you can find here. And it's, it's the also the birthplace of street food, which is Yawarat or Chinatown Road until nowadays. And it's still busy until, you know, after midnight, it's always busy. So it's an area that always alive, day and night. And it's a, it's a place where you can find Thai and Chinese food as well in one place. So actually, Chinatown in Thailand is one of the, is the biggest Chinatown community out of China. Uh, before we talk about uh, your restaurant, uh, let's go back a bit. Uh, you have reached uh, really high positions with your restaurant uh, among the world's best uh, Asian restaurants and so, uh, and you have a Michelin star. But if we go back to your early days, your childhood and so, what led you into the, the chef's career? Mm. Actually, I haven't. I didn't start my career um, as a in this industry in the beginning 
um, I studied in my college. I studied communication arts, and during the middle of the communicate uh, the the years, I didn't like what I was studying. So I, you know, went back to my family, and I told them I want to do something else. And what I expect from them is like a shock. But actually, they support me. They they said like, then what do you want to do? So I I took a couple of weeks and you know sit and thought to myself what really I enjoy doing. And every time I think about it, it came around food. I love eating. I love cooking. I love the environment where people come together in a table and eat. And I think that's because my mom, she's a housewife, so. She looks after the house and she cooks every meal for us. So I think the passion of cooking and the passion of you know uh, living around food is uh, was from her. So I came back to my parents and said I want to study cooking. This is like 10 years back, um, and in Thailand, having your daughter or your granddaughter to be to be in the chef world or become a cook is not something. Um, most parents want you to be because um, it's not a respecting it's not a respectful job back then it's like a tiring job and you don't earn a lot people want you to be a doctor finance marketing but my parents didn't think that my parents told me that if you really like something and you know it early do it so. My parents support me all the way. They they um, took me to the U.S. to look at the school in school called the Culinary Institute of America, and that's where my journey started, as a you know in the cooking school. And the more I study cooking, the more I realize that it's the only profession that I like that that fits me. And I think that's because first I like cooking, and second I love sports. Being in the kitchen is like sports for me. It's the adrenaline. It's the, it's the heat. It's the movement. So some of the competition or yes, and competing as well. Oh yes. Yeah. The I'm I'm very um, competitive person. Same as sports, right? You have to be competitive in order to achieve. So in the kitchen as well, it's more like. It's adrenaline. It's the competition that. That keeps me like what I'm doing every day, even though it's tiring, even though the long hours. But it it kept me. It's it's kept me doing every day, and I think that's the reason I jump into this industry. Uh, so you come from a, from a, the Chinese uh, minority. You have a Chinese uh, background yes. uh, uh, here in, in in Bangkok. How did that the, the food that came with that heritage? What what was it like? So the I have to talk about the history a little bit. So around two hundred years ago, a lot of Chinese migrate from China to Bangkok to Thailand because uh, they didn't. Believe in communism, and and they think they're gonna have a better life here, as well as my family line. I'm the fifth generation now, so the first generation, which is my ancestor, they migrate from Jingmen Island. And this community of the Chinese immigrants, when they travel to Thailand, 
they bring a lot of uh, tools, equipments, food, the way of living, um, and the culture with them. And as time goes by, it influenced Thai people and Thai cuisine as a whole until now that it become part of Thai cuisine. For example, if if people were to ask me how many cuisines do you have in Thailand, I would say north, south, northeast, the central, and Thai Chinese because we the the Chinese take so much influence in Thai food that I think it deserves a cuisine on its own. For example, Pad Thai is actually not Thai cuisine. It's it's uh it's the Chinese Chinese influence of the noodles, but back then. Um, which is one of the general they want to have a national dish so they name it Pad Thai but actually it's, it's a combination of Thai and Chinese cuisine as well as Pad Kapao which is very famous Thai food right now but actually the stir fry got from the Chinese so I'm not saying that oh it's not Thai and it's not Chinese I, I want to say that Thai Chinese it's its own cuisine it's not too worse It's not like a two-word combined, but it's a one-word umbrella that become part of Thai food already. In your your upbringing or so, which uh, if you would have to think of some like memorable foods, I bet there's plenty of them. Mm-hmm. But what would be the dishes, the flavors of your childhood and upbringing? The childhood must be my mom's cooking for sure, and she loves to cook. So I have to say a little bit that my dad, he's half Australian, get a little bit more confused because. My grandfather got married to an Australian lady, so my father was um, brought up in a mixed culture and mixed food also. So he he loves to eat um, Western food as well as Thai Chinese. So my mom's always cook like latna as well as bolognese in in one in one meal. So it's a really mixed. I remember that she she. She read like cookbooks of Western cuisine, and she cook what she learned from her grand from her mother. So in one dining table, there's a mix of, you know, uh, farang or Western food and then Thai Chinese food. So that's that's how I grew up with. And but if I have to pick one dish that my mom cooks that is Thai Chinese is latna, and she cook she cooks the best latna in the world for me. Um, it's the wok. It's a love of ingredients. She's my mom is very particular in um, ingredients. She's always says that if you find the best ingredient and you cook from there, belly can go wrong because you have fresh ingredients already. So whenever she hosts a party, a house party or a family gathering, she always go to this particular market for this one particular ingredient, and then go to the other market which is across Bangkok. To get another ingredient because she believes that the first market doesn't have this quality, so she has to go to another market. So she's very particular in uh, the ingredients in in hosting the guests. So every time she cooks, she always cook like a lot. She she always says to me, if you host someone and people finish the food, it means you don't have enough food. So she she loves to have more than less. That's what I remember about her. Cooking and going up with her. Yeah. All right, um, and then the next steps after your your training. What happened? Uh, uh, when did you actually step into the restaurants? 
You mean Potong? Yeah, or before that? Um, so after I graduated from CAA, uh, I went to work at John George, a three-star Michelin restaurant back then, and in New York. In New York, yeah. in uh, Trump Hotel near the Central Park, uh, Midtown, and I was there for around two, three years, and then I came back to Thailand, wanting to start my own restaurant. But I have to have the financial support from my parents for sure. So I wasn't ready, and my parents weren't. Uh, they didn't. They want me to. They won't believe in me. I would say back then, they want me to prove something. So I did like a private catering and um, private dining at home, and it's kicked off really good. We were full like three months ahead because we did only one table, and. I was more confident. I did that for two years, and then I was more confident. So before opening Potong, I have another restaurant called Smoked, which is more like a casual restaurant, and it's like a more like a, a grab and go. And we have right now we have three branches: two in the in the mall and one separate as a restaurant. And that one focuses more on like the. American barbecue. The reason why I started that because I was in New York and I love to eat like smoked brisket, smoked ribs. So I I did something. I when I came back, I cannot find anything like that. So it's like my a restaurant that served the purpose of me wanting to eat smoked meat. But now I have enough. <laughs> and then Potong is our latest project. Actually, it started before COVID four years ago. The whole renovation uh, took around two and a half years, longer than I thought. So we just opened this uh, a year and a half ago. So it's very new. So we're actually sitting now on the old balcony. How yes. old the house is? How old is it? This building was built 120 years ago. 120 years. So we're yes. sitting on a covered balcony here with a view over the. The, the thin rooftops of, of, of Chinatown. Yes. Um, and uh, tell me, this house has a very central history and identity, and and of course function as well. Yes. Uh, in your restaurant, tell me why your 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 link to this old house. Well, as you can see, if right now we're sitting at the balcony, and my grandfather told me it used to be a kitchen over here because back then kitchen was not in the house, and. Um, this building was built as a factory, a storefront of the Chinese medicine that my ancestor um, started. We're still running until today. And, on, and it's a living space also. And this building has a lot of, um, the architecture has a lot of Portuguese influence because back then a lot of Thailand, we do a lot of uh, business or trading with Portuguese people and we have a lot of influence on the architecture also. And um, I never lived here because my grandfather rented this building for over 60 years until the tenant left um, four years ago before COVID. I came to this building and I look, I walked from the first floor to the fifth floor, which is my first time walking through the building. And I just fell in love with it because of the details of the history that you know, this building has, you can see the walls, you can see the, 
the erosion, the the time that I think this building has a luxury of of time. Only time can create it, and I don't think I can have Potong or my dream restaurant anywhere else apart from here, because this is where my family started. Um, this is where the history of everything of of you know my family how they used to do business and how they used to live on the third floor, the shrine there still there. So it's a it's a building that represent my family as well as the community and the culture back then. So that's why I decided to open a restaurant of my dream here. And the construction took two and a half years because, as you can see, the road down here is very narrow and it's very hard to. Uh, bring the constructors to this building. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. yeah, it's very hard, and we were having a really rough time um, doing it because people don't want to come and do it. Considering the piping alone is very difficult. That's where my my parents come in and help also, and the certificates that I have to ask the you know the government to everything. So everything combined took us around three years to to do it. But we able to open right after COVID, all the lockdown lifted, and it became the the unique and the how the difficulties of coming to this restaurant become the charm of it. Without me planning it, you know, at first I was I was a bit worried that is it gonna be a place that people wanna come because it's in the middle of nowhere, it's not in a hotel, it's not there's no parking and. The road here is not clean. It's very local. It's very loud. I was worried, but then it became part of the charm that people love to come here, and I, I am very surprised. But as as I come here every day, often I can see the charm of it also. The menu and the food. Uh you are serving here. Tell me a bit about that one. What, what kind of a menu is that? So, um, our menu, we have only one selection only because we want every customer to try what we create. And what we serve here is uh, progressive Thai Chinese cuisine, which, which I want to bring and highlight the cuisine of Thai Chinese, the one I told you earlier, that is a cuisine on its own that is a mix of the Chinese influence in Thai food. And But in a way, I want to present it in a very progressive way, very modern way that no one have ever done before. And actually, we are the first one to be in the Michelin that, you know, fall under Thai Chinese cuisine. But we have a concept underneath it, which is the five elements and the five uh, senses. The five elements are salt, acid, spice, mylar reaction, and texture. So every time I create a menu, I always you know, think back about these um, factors. And this factor is not something that I created in, in a day. It's a factor when I look back of my cooking journey, of what I like to eat, of what Every time I create a menu, what, what are the components and what are the factors that build me until today? So when I look back, 
there's a pattern, a pattern that I always like to use and always like to create and put on the plate. And these are the five um, elements I was talking about. Salt, acid, spice, my reaction, and texture. And the five senses that we have, uh, the concept is that our human senses, because I want to create memories. I want to create, I want the customer to come here or the guest to come here and really have a good memory with us. And I think that the five senses really, when it happens together, it really captures the memory, which is the taste, the nose, the hearing of the stories, the sight when they see the food, and lastly, the touch. If you dine with us, um, you will see that there's a lot of things that you need to touch the food or do something with the food because I just have a daughter and me and my husband were reading a book like how to have my how to have a kid remember something and it says these five senses are very important for example if you want your kid to remember an apple you cannot just say this is apple and remember it you have to let them taste let them smell let them see it and lastly let them touch it so everything combined is um, it's a combination that captures memory and that's that's the umbrella of our concept the five senses and the five elements the uh, some of the ingredients uh, or much of the ingredients actually you are sourcing from special smaller producers in uh, around Thailand mm -hmm. uh, tell me a bit about that has it been a challenge or uh, uh, an easy thing or it was a very challenging <laughs> um it's very challenging because, and I think that everyone who tries to do it and done it, they will understand because working with small suppliers and the local suppliers, it's good that you have the freshest ingredients and there's no middleman, but it's always uncertainty. Um, they don't have a system or they don't have a, since they're very small and very, you know, um, local they don't have a system that because it's not consistent in the deliveries and they can't um, ensure you that you're gonna have this every week but what we do is that we don't work with just only one um, fisherman for example we work with a couple and we just you know bounce around and see whatever who get what and bring it can can send to us and I think that's Part of the charm also to talk with, because once in a while I would go down south to, to meet them and seeing them doing their, what they do every day is something that really lifts me up what I'm doing every day and, and really think what I want to do with the product or produce or the, the seafood to bring it on a table that is Sometimes it may not be something so expensive, but I want to tell the story that how the fishermen are getting it. And that, I think, is the true value of, of what uh, they are trying to do. Yeah. yeah. And also you have, being here in Chinatown, you have an excellent uh, duck that you source from, from Thailand. Yes. Uh, with the main course, which is a true... Duck feast. All duck, yes. All about duck feast, yes. Yeah. And the duck is local as well. 
people say like, oh, the duck you have to import from France, from there, there. But you know what? I tried everything. I tried the duck from different countries, from different region. Our local duck is not. Is for me is the best of what I'm I'm doing, and trust me, I try everything. I try all the sizes. I try all the species. This one, what we're using now is a duck from Nakhon Si Thamrat, and it's Peking duck. And it's local. How they raise it is very, you know, very um, sustainable, and it also tastes very good. And the duck, the the fat and meat ratio is just perfect for us. So what we're doing, I mean, we want to go local, but we don't we don't want to jeopardize the quality that the customer will get from us. Also, we respect that if we go local, we find the best of the local. We're not just go local for the sake of it, so that's what we're trying to do. And our duck is the best, and it's local. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. It's very delicious. Uh, hey, uh, as we are now in uh, sitting here in Chinatown, uh, I would like, of course, to as we are talking about the world of mouth, uh, I'd love to ask you about your uh, restaurant recommendations or any eating recommendations. Uh, if we start with Bangkok or mm-hmm. even uh, Chinatown here in Bangkok, uh, what would be your favorite places? Where would you send me if I would come to Thailand, say, for the first time? There's a place that my parents always take me to since I was young. It's a stewed goose place. It's in an alley, very small. It's like you're going into a one meter alley, and then it got bigger inside. It's called Lao Tang, which uh, they've been doing that for over thirty years, and it's just it's just like a stewed goose with some like five spices, and you just eat, eat with rice and some uh, condiments that is like sour, like a. Vinegar, yeah. vinegar. It's very simple, but for me, it's very warming, and it's very. It's it reminds me of me growing up, and every time you know people are here and ask me which restaurant should I recommend, it's this one, Lao Tang. Okay. It's the best. Okay. <laughs> Something else here in around oh, here. Around here, everything else around here is so vibrant and so flavorful. If to ask me another one would be, Gui Chap Nai Le. Gui Chap is like a, no, like a flat noodle that is curled in a soup. It's just right in the middle of Chinatown. There's gonna be always long line, like at least like 20 minutes wait, and that's one of my favorite also. But I, you know, I don't get go there often because I don't want to wait in line. <laughs> but it's one of the best. And also at night, I would recommend uh, a. This is a true street food because it's in the middle of the street. It's called. Um, Nai Tu, it's called Nai Tu. It's right opposite of Potong, on the opposite side of Yawarat Road. And they put the the stools and the tables in the middle of the street, and they just start, you know, salting and loud noises, people yelling across each other. I mean, the the cooks and the cooks and the reservation guy always yelling at each other, but. The best thing they do is the fish maw, sauté fish maw, and the sauté misua, which is like sauté um, noodles. It's the best. 
I mean, the flavor and the walk that they do is is something that not everyone can create that sensation. So yeah, it's it's a matter of te- much of technique. Technique, well. yes. Yeah. If yeah. you have the same recipe but you don't have that technique, it turns out totally different. Yeah. Okay. Anything else if we go outside of Chinatown in Bangkok, anything? I love noodles. Uh, I would recommend um, which is like, it's in Thai. Uh, it's like a Tom Yam noodles. The best thing about what they're doing is the, the pork. They marinate the pork somehow that it's so juicy. It's a ground pork, but it kept its juice in the ground pork, which is so weird. And the soup that they're serving is very umami and peppery in a way. And I just, even I order to go to deliver to my house, always good still. But if you have to wait in line, it's like at least 30 minutes, but it's one of the best. Something um, else? Something else, if you go a little bit near the river, there's Ban Klang Nam. Ban Klang Nam, they serve a lot of seafood near the Chakuya River. And you can see the boat going back and forth and they serve the best um, grilled, what do you call it? Prawn, river prawn. It's very fresh and you, you sit on like a really old wooden stool with old like tables but you can feel the authenticity of it so Ban Klang Nam is really good as well. There's actually a handful of really good fine dining in, in, in Bangkok. Oh yes, yes. Any, any, any advice on if, if uh, I mean obviously there's food everywhere and in every, not street corner but pretty much every block there's mm-hmm. uh, and every building there's almost food here but what about fine dining? Fine dining, right. Well, fine dining in Thailand now is I think it's growing the fa- like ever fast, you know, it's growing really, really fast. And for Thai food, I would recommend the newest one in town, Nusara, I would say. It has, I think it has the best view of the temple compared to any other restaurants. And the food that Chef Don serving is very authentic in a way that you can taste the Thai flavors, not um, diverting in any ways, but he present in a way that is modern style. That's for Thai food. For if you're up for like a European food, Suring for sure. Actually, Suring is my favorite fine dining restaurant in Thailand. I have to say, what they're doing is the house that they are in, and the environment, and the food they're serving is truly fine dining for me. The finesse they put in. And I think I've been to Germany already, but going to his restaurant, Asuring, and how they how they tell the story of what they used to eat as a child and how the way of eating and in Germany. In Germany, yeah. I understand more than eating food in Germany because of what they're telling in the in the restaurant of Suring and what they're serving. I understand more of German food. Than rather than going to, I don't know what is how to say it, but it's one of my um, favorite fine dining restaurant. But if you're looking for something that wants to excite you and something that unique, Gagan for sure. You've been there. Yes. Oh my God! It's like 
it you can have goosebumps when you're in there. It's like you in you go into a show, and it's not just a show. His food is also. If you if you're a chef or if you in the industry, you will see that there's a lot of technique that going in. It's not just about gimmick. It's not just about the show. It's about the food also. So I think if you're looking for something, if you eat good food everywhere around the world already, and you're looking for something new, Gagan would give that to you, and no one would say no, right? I mean, no one would disagree with me. It's some it's one of a kind, and I think that you have to be there. Once in a lifetime, and for me, I, I just love it. The adrenaline, his appearance, the food, the lights, the music—it just all combined. Anything else like if we go bakeries, cafes, desserts, oh. something? If if talking around here, then there's a cafe that is very—it's called uh, FV, FNV, just five minutes from Potong. What they're doing, I respect. What they're doing because um, they use all the local and authentic fruit and turn into drinks and and doing that is not easy because they don't mix. You know, it's it's like how would I say for one of the drinks that I respect them doing it is the mango mango steam juice. To juice a mango steam to become like a whole glass is not easy and. And they're doing that, so I respect you know what they're doing. And if you go inside the the cafe, if you have time, maybe you go and check it out. Yeah, yeah. It's like a old house in the shop house. So if you go inside, it's like a house in a shop house. And what they're doing is very authentic and very local in a way that they not. It seems like they're not doing for money. They're doing for because they love to do it. Yeah, that's one of the cafe that I love to go in or recommend people or tourists who come to this area okay. every. If we move abroad to the rest of the world, uh, if you could name just a few of your favorite places that you meet at, and the one that got into my head right now is uh, Swati Snacks. I went in. It's in Mumbai. Uh, It's a vegetarian restaurant. I'm I'm not vegetarian. Don't get me wrong, but that restaurant has so much flavors, um, and it's not. It's very simple restaurant. It's no decorations. Very simple stools and tables and plastic plates. The yellow plates, but the flavors and the hospitality of all the other servers. It just sometimes it just. Memory that you have is just good food and good service, and that's it. And Swati snacks was my first thing who that came into my mind. But if there's a country that I love to go and eat, I mean a country that I travel and I love the food also is Lebanon and uh, Turkey. Okay. Wow. Yes. Uh, Lebanon. I went there. I think more than six, six years ago. The food was just. I never thought that Lebanese food can be that. That I would. That I would like the Lebanese food that much. It's just the acidity that I love. It's it's the seafood, and it's the abundance of it. Because when you eat 
uh, Lebanese food is like this bad is like it's a full table and I love love that about it yeah yeah, yeah. and Turkey any favorite places you would remember in Lebanon or oh, Lebanon I cannot remember the name but it's just along the coastline yeah. okay many shops yeah. this is really good yeah and Tur- but Turkey I remember one of our a uh, good friend recommend us to go. It's in the middle of like touristy place that I wouldn't think that it's going to be good. I thought it's going to be like a touristy spot, but actually it's the best meal that I have in Turkey. They serve like um, kebab and rice and it's on the rooftop. Uh, so my favorite restaurant in Turkey that I really really like and I recommend everyone who go to Turkey to try it's called Hamdi okay. H-A-M-D-I yep. restaurant it's in the middle of like touristy place a place that a foodie would go because it's it's open it's open to everyone but it's the best you have to go and the view and the service the food the ingredients is, is the best Hamdi restaurant okay uh, something in Western Europe or uh other parts of Europe or the US? I used to go to um, France and I went to one star, two stars, three star restaurants but I enjoy the two star most which is called um, Lestrance. Yeah. I don't know if I pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah. Now they got how many stars? Two. Yeah, two still. Yeah, two, yeah. two, two Paris, yeah. 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 Lestrance. It's very small restaurant. I don't know whether they moved yet or not. This is, I think, almost 10 years ago. Mm. Um, I remember that I just got into the industry and I, I, I want to try many refer- uh, restaurants, but Lestrance was where I enjoy the most. Okay. Yes. Okay. Very good, very good. Um, hey, we are now, uh, service is soon starting, so I'll <laughs> uh, Your guests are coming. Uh, but one last question. Uh, if you uh, would have the opportunity to pack your bags and tomorrow go to any restaurant in the world with your husband yes. uh, and uh, dine there, which, uh, which uh, restaurant would that be? Geranium. Geranium? Yes. In Copenhagen? Copenhagen, Geranium. Okay. And why is that? Because what I see him doing is from internet only, right? From from uh, website and IG. I want to. It's so beautiful that I want to try how it would it taste like and the technique, and it's always on my list. Noma also, but they're moving around. So if you ask me right now where I want to go and dine, it would be geranium. Okay. Yes. Very good. So, Geranium, Copenhagen next. Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Chef Pam, thank you so much for this. No, uh, thank you. Lovely thank meeting you, you and uh, good luck uh, with everything here at Potong in Bangkok, Thailand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Wall of Mouth podcast with Chef Pam in Bangkok, Thailand. Find all the recommendations mentioned in this episode and more on the World of Mouth app, available in your app store or visit our website at worldofmouth.app. You'll also find these places in our podcast notes. I'm Kenneth Nars. Until next week when we meet Chef Isaac McHale in London.